0: Welcome to the DraftNut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson of Blue Chip Scouting, and we are your hosts for today's episode. Devin, we're back to talking the NFL draft. It's We did our mock draft series last week, mock, mock drafts part one and part two. Um, and this week, we're getting into the full swing of um, the draft process. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about the quarterbacks, today Um, and we're going to be talking about some prospects that seem to have been overthought of throughout this process. Um, And if you have an idea and to everyone listening, if you have an idea of who that is or who they are, um, we've, we've mentioned them in the past. I've mentioned them in um, my recent football thoughts article. And then another prospect today kind of entered that fray into that or entered that discussion. Um, as well. So Devin, you were at the national championship men's national championship game in New Orleans um, Monday nights um, watching an incredible basketball game um, that seemed to have had everything. Um, it came down to one final shot for North Carolina to attempt to get in, get the game into overtime, have a chance to win in overtime. Um, a Kansas ended up prevailing, so Devin, what was that experience like, man? like and we were talking about it, but t- tell tell the listeners what that experience was like.
1: I mean, I had never been i I've been to state championship games uh, like at the high school level, but I've never been to a you know national title game, and you know, being able to be on that stage and and see incredible basketball i mean it was high level basketball on both ends you know it was like i don't know how many guys are going to be in the nba in a few years uh from that game but there's certainly more than a handful it, it was like watching i'm trying, trying to try and make it a comparable statement i mean maybe and i don't think it to the same degree but i mean it was like watching georgia and alabama in a national title game it was it was like body blows from both sides. And you saw two coaches that, you know, one being Bill Self, obviously he's uh, going to go down as one of the, the greats in, in the game. Hubert Davis is well on his way, mentored by Roy Williams. Both those guys took over for Roy Williams. So just that storyline alone, you know, was excellent. But the atmosphere is crazy, man. It, it, it was like just constant noise. It wasn't like a football game where it gets quiet every few downs, like it was constant from the the tip off until the final whistle blew, just constant noise, you know, and, and I had a feeling Kansas fans were gonna outnumber North Carolina fans, but North Carolina fans held their own there. I mean, it would it was like, you know, just constant noise. And And where I was sitting, I was sitting like, in front of the Kansas fans and behind the Kansas bench. You know, obviously, I could hear that a little bit more loudly than North Carolina, but North Carolina fans were still still pretty loud and, and enjoying the game. So, I mean, it was a it was an unforgettable experience. And uh, seeing a great game that came down to a final shot, I thought I was going to head to overtime. You know, that, that, that was the feeling I got from the game, that it was going to really come down to another five minutes. And, you know, some unfortunate things happened with North Carolina down the stretch, but, I mean, both teams made mistakes down the stretch. Kansas stepped out of bounds with – what, four or three seconds left? I mean, it was, it was, it was nuts, man. It was, it was an unforgettable experience. And honestly, I don't think either team could have been upset for the, you know, what happened in the final few minutes, because both teams had chances to win. And Mm -hmm. you, you, that's one of those games that you, you don't see a loser per se. You just saw a team found a way to win, you know, in the final stretches of the game. But uh, it
0: was it was some high level basketball for sure. That you had two straight games, um, Duke North Carolina and Kansas North Carolina, two great basketball games. Everything you could have hoped for. Um, you had the big leads. You had um, the, you've you had the blows to each other. I mean, it's just some very good basketball we saw to end the year. Um, North Carolina really shouldn't have been in that place several, a couple of months ago because they were on the bubble for a a decent period of time until they went on a late run, um, right before the start of the tournament. And then the run, they went in the tournament getting all the way to the national championship, ending coach K's career, a game short of a national championship appearance. um, so and I'm sure Tar Heel fans are just elated with the season they had, they didn't expect this to happen. Um, but we were talking before the show, Huber Davis has he he is the guy, and he is the right guy to be leading this tar heel team for years to come. Um, I think the tar heels are gonna be fine moving forward for years to come. They they got a great coaching Huber Davis, um and, and I think they will be consistently um, at one of those teams that you will fear in the tournament. As long as they keep things together, they're always going to have the talent and you're um, and you mentioned that um, before the show, um, they're always going to have the talent, but they, it depends. It'll depend on if they can play together well and keep it together. Um, but in but shout-out to Hubert Davis. He's going to be great there for years to come. Perfect replacement uh, or successor to Roy Williams. Um, so I'm excited to see the Tar Heels' future, um, and especially next year. I think next year could be a really good year for um, North Carolina in basketball. For football, I don't know, man. They lost Sam Howell. They, they ain't looking too great. I mean, they do have plenty of five- and four-star recruits. Mac Brown's recruiting well there. Um, but how long he's going to be there? How long North is going to be able to keep up with this type of recruiting? We'll have to wait and see. But let's get on to um, some prospects. Um, let's talk about overthinking prospects because th- this is draft fatigue at its finest, and it's absolutely annoying. Um, we talked about it during one of the uh, during one of the pre shows um for the mock draft. I, I don't know if it was Tuesday night or Thursday night. Um but you and I were talking about Kyle Hamilton and let's just start let's just start the conversation here with Kyle Hamilton. Why why does this happen to prospects like Kyle Hamilton, like Kayvon Thibodeau Thibodeau. Guys that are just we know they're immensely talented. We know they have the talent to be very, very good at the next level, incredibly high ceiling. But why are we still doing this to prospects like them that we know they're talented, but yet we're going to make up some narratives that just don't really make sense, kind of do, but they really don't. Like, why do we keep doing this, Devin? It's just so annoying as a draft analyst, as a draft Nick, to just be seeing this almost every cycle.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just these guys have been under the microscope since day one of summer scouting, essentially, you know, once uh, we get past the fir- first couple of days after the draft, maybe the first week, that's when people kind of put the, you know, the draft grades to bed for uh, the 2022 class, which will be, you know, the end of this month, the beginning of May, and then sure enough, we'll be talking about the 2023 quarterback class, but when you think about how long these guys have been in the spotlight, one being Kayvon Tipo. He's been in the spotlight since he was a freshman. Uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton really uh, as a sophomore uh, explode on the scene. People are like, okay, this is going to be uh, one of the next great safety prospects. So it starts a year in advance with these guys. A lot of people are watching them as soon as the draft ends, or some of them are watching them leading up to the draft to get ready, get a head start in the 2022 class. So it's been over a year. It's almost a year plus now that these guys have been in the limelight, been been on the radar, and talking about them. And I think once so many of the the big talking heads, obviously the Dane Bruglers of the world, and Connor Rogers, and and you know, kind of the big name draft guys, talk about these guys and talk about their thoughts with them. You know, people go from there, and then and then you, me, and you watch Kayvon Thibodeau, and then. Pretty much everyone watches him and they see what he has. Now fast forward to to this cycle in, in February comes around. You know, Thibodeau and Hamilton are both both not an all-star game. So they're I don't wanna say they're forgotten about, but people don't focus on them as much in January and February. March rolls around, you know, NFL free agency happens. We know everything that happens with that. But once that ends, everyone is focused on the draft as beat writers. That's people uh, that may be casual fans, people that don't really care about the draft, but tune in to see the top 50, top 100 guys and see who their team may pick in the first round. So you go through these phases of basically different paths or or different phases of the prospect's journey. So once they get to this point, they've been talked about so much that people want to find what's wrong with them or they want to find reasons that they should be lower on them than what everyone else is saying so th- that that kind of just creates that conversation of okay he's good but you know what what about you know his off-field things you know what came Thibodeau what about Kyle Hamilton is he really fast you know there's so many different things that people go off and nitpick because They've been talked so highly of for so long. I feel like people just need to find something wrong with somebody, and and I think that that kind of what leads into discussions that w- that we have on a daily basis on Twitter. I think it's just people get tired of hearing the good things about players when they're at that elite level or or have uh, elite traits as a prospect, and mm-hmm. that creates you know nauseous uh, discussion around them. So. I think it is in part because these guys have been talked about for so long that, you know, people just get tired of hearing the same people repeat what's good about them. And, and you know, they find new ways. I mean, we even saw a couple of weeks ago or a month ago that people were, were peddling Garrett Wilson because he jumps when he catches, you know. So there's always those little things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. And ultimately, you know, all that's going to be put to bed once we get to the draft and, and you know, Kayvon Thibodeau and Kyle Hamilton both go top 10, which I think will happen. And I think, you know, then all of a sudden people are going to pretend like that whole discussion, you know, didn't like these guys or weren't as high, as high on these guys just goes away because, you know, it, it was just smoke. So, So to me, I think it's just we gotten to a point where the same clips have been shared by the same group of people over and over. And once you see it so many times, people pick the littlest things about it, which like I said, doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Cause when a team is watching, they're not watching every second, every, every second of every game and like, okay, I don't like the way he's standing in that position or, you know, no, no. I think I feel like we got to a point where we consume the draft so much that every millisecond that a player is on the field or in right. doing anything right. is being overanalyzed.
0: It's, so it's yeah, it, it it has gotten such a big event and is costs is brings up so much discussion and also so much drama because we don't know who is going to go where, when. Uh, until the team makes the pick on draft day or during the draft weekend. We don't know where these guys are going to go. But somehow there are some scouts out there that just have this old-school mentality and, like, you got to focus on everything football. It's got to be everything football. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, Kayvon Thibodeau, great player on the field. We all know this. We're, quite, we're pushing a narrative, and we're questioning, does he like football? Is he committed to the game? He is 100% committed to the game. If he wasn't committed to the game, you know, you're probably seeing the Josh Rosen version of, of the pass rushers in this draft class. But we're not. Thibodeau is... Nowhere close to what Josh Allen is off the field. Dipodeau actually is committed to the game and he's also committed to things off the field. He's trying to do charity work on the side. He's trying to grow his brand on it off the field. He and sure, like some of his statements for some older guys may be controversial, but it really isn't controversial. It's it's just stuff that scouts that talk anonymous quote-unquote anonymous scouts are pushing out um, when they're talking to uh, the connections they have with the media it's the it's that stuff that gets get keeps getting pushed out and then we see on Twitter um, some people we respect um, on Twitter and I'm not going to name anyone um, specific but We're pushing this narrative that Hamilton doesn't have elite speed um, and he's um, just a box safety and like, like, why, why are we, why are we saying like elite speed matters for safeties when they really don't? It's all about explosiveness and came on tip and not came on tip. Kyle Hamilton is quite explosive. He is pretty damn explosive. Um, for safety, he's one of the most explosive safeties I've seen in a good minute um, in terms of like top safeties in this class, like guys that should go higher than that should go pretty high. Hamilton explosiveness is incredible. He's smart. Great instincts. He can play any position you want him to uh, like. He could play a variety of roles. High single high split safety box will linebacker you can have him more in a joker role if you want him to. He can play he could be your big nickel. I mean he is he could play boundary corner if you want him to. I mean he he has that ability, but oh, he's not fast. That's why he's not a good player, I guess. Like what are we doing, Devin? Like are we really trying to push these things out? trying to is it a team trying to blow smoke so then this player could fall to them? Like, we have got to stop doing this. And also and also to mention Derek Singley, who had his pro day today. Put up some good numbers. Had a, I think it just over a nine, um, or rated a nine in uh, relative athletic score, um, which is still pretty good. I mean, he's a good athlete. And sure, like, he's dealt with injuries over the past couple seasons. But, man, I, when I tell you his tape is special, it's special tape. This is a top five player in this draft class, on my board at least. This is a player that shouldn't even drop out of the top ten. Like, we've got to stop overthinking these guys. And, look, I get the entry concerns with Singley. I do. But, and there's also, like, the concerns of, you know, and – throughout this entire process we've well kind of backtracked throughout this entire process we've kind of like lowered Stingley's process or um his stock gradually and to the point where i've seen him go in in the 20s in mock drafts i'm like what are we doing here this is a top 10 player in this draft class we're having him go 20 because of a couple of some injuries which i get but the narratives we push out for some of these players is it's sort of smoke, but it's also prospect fatigue. And we were, and you were just talking about it. We get so, we're getting tired. Or some people are getting tired of hearing all the good things and they just want to push out the bad. I believe, And personally, I'm probably going to get heat for this and it's probably just for clout. Simply for clout. You want to push out bad narratives simply for clout, hoping that, and some people think, oh, this is going to drop his stock. It's going to drop his stock in terms of how he's viewed in the media, how he's viewed by others. But for the NFL, we have no idea. He may still be one of the highest rated players in this entire league. Like he has been on the NFL's radar since his freshman year, when he had six over six interceptions. And was one of the best freshmen we have ever seen play at that type of level. So, and also with the Garrett Wilson thing, I and you were mentioning like, oh, he has to jump when he makes the catch. I was in that argument with that same guy, <laughs> I, I and like that was mentioning that stuff. I'm like, jumping for a pass doesn't really matter. Like when I was a receiver in high school. Like, sometimes I had to jump for pat. Like, I, I would jump for passes sometimes when I didn't need to, but that's not really – it's not as big of a thing as it should be. If you're a great player, you, the little things shouldn't really matter as much. In, in some retrospect, I get. Like, it could be. But when we're talking about the grand scheme of things – it doesn't really matter. So, what? My advice to any like young draft analysts that are listening, any aspiring draft analysts that might be listening, when we're going through this draft cycle, when we're going through this process, be careful with all this draft fatigue. Stick with your conviction. With these draft prospects with your, with the grades you have with how you view these guys, because I, I personally, I've been done with Hamilton and Thibodeau's grades since probably December. Um, I've been done with Stingley's I think since December as well, maybe before that. Um, And they're top five players on my board. Hamilton's my number one player. Thibodeau's my number two player. Then I have, I believe Derek Stingley is my number four player in this draft class. So these are very good football players that are getting overthought. Garrett Wilson currently tied for receiver one on my board with Traylon Burks. Very talented receiver. He could be a number one wide receiver in the NFL. He has that ability. But yet we look at the small things and think this could be a concern at the next level. Let the coaches deal with that. They'll point it out to – to these guys, they'll point out some of the little things that could be that we we may see that some people may see that, like you know, we can fix this, but it's something we can work on over time. It's nothing that we we should be really worried about. So I, I just say this: let's stop overthinking prospects and go with our conviction, and let's not trying to push narratives on prospects just for clout, just for clicks or whatever. And note that I'm not trying to be disrespectful to any beat reporter, um anyone from like the athletic or uh, the draft network or anyone like that, like some great people there. But there are some narratives that get pushed out from some of these scouts, some of these anonymous scouts, some of these anonymous executives, coaches, gms what have you that just kind of get eaten up by other people that start pushing this narrative and it's just it, it gets annoying so let's just say i've reached my breaking point with this with this stuff <laughs> and if i get like another comment about just like a, a narrative about hamilton or thibodeau it's just i i'm it, my response is not going to be as kind. I, I'm just going to say that right now because we need to stop overthinking these guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I Look, I, I mean, for me, I, I'm not I don't think I'm as bothered by it because I, I, I've seen it from the outside part. You know, I've seen it just. Following the draft casually, even before I got into full time, that you know things things are always you know can can be uh, you know misconstrued or or put out out of context or, or multiple things. I mean, you know there there's just so much stuff flying around. Once the draft gets near, we don't know what teams' modes are. Some some want to push players down the board. Some want to push them up. I mean. At the end of the day, once draft time comes, it, you know, none of this really is going to matter. I mean, we, we've we had some things come out. Obviously, the, the Laramie Tunsil deal and some other things that have happened leading up to draft day or, or on draft day in, in some, um, you know, some situations. But at the end of the day, I mean, these teams are have their grades finalized for these players. They, they've had them done for a few months now. And, and really, this pre-draft process is about getting, getting to know these players, see if they – fit what they, what they're looking for. You know, some teams are not going to have, you know, top five grades on Derrick Stingley, you know, Kyle Hamilton, Kayvon Thibodeau. That's because it may not fit their needs. You know, I think people don't understand that not everyone is going to have player one be Kyle Hamilton because it's also based on what the team wants and who they need as well. So I think people need to keep that in consideration when teams are that are in the teens or on the West coast, like all the West coast teams outside of Seattle, they're really not going to be in the market for cave Thibodeau let's let's be realistic here i think some context lacks when some of these quotes come out come comes out from the scouts because some of these teams aren't interested in these players because they won't be there or won't be have the capital move up so you got to keep that in mind too that teams also have their own narratives that they push because they Let's be realistic. Do the Rams, the Seahawks, I mean, the Rams, 49ers and Cardinals, do they realistically want Kayvon Thibodeau in NC West? No, no, no. So I I think, I think with what we need to keep in mind as well is that some of these teams are not going to be in the market for these players. So they can say whatever they want about them because they're not going to be in reach for, you know? So I think people need to keep that in mind as well as that. Teams are going to have different grades on players, like just like we have the discourse on Twitter. Teams are having discourse and discourse in their own draft room. So, I, I think I think discourse is healthy, but when when you start attacking like the personality of players or you know what they mm-hmm. do when they're not playing football, I think that's a whole different discussion. But but yeah. you know, my, back to kind of my original point, I think. A lot of this is just smoke, you know, it's just people speculating. We some of these most of these people or most of the people we interact with don't actually know some of these players personally. So it's kind of hard to judge someone when you don't haven't had that one-on-one time. So to me, that I think it's all gonna work itself out. These guys are gonna go all the guys we mentioned, Garrett Wilson, you know, um, as well as Kyle Hamilton and Kayvon Tobeau, they're gonna go within the top ten, fifteen picks. And, and they'll be just fine for the rookie seasons. But we, we've gotten to a point in, in the draft process where it's a couple of weeks before the draft. People are, you know, just at this point, just waiting around for the draft and trying to find different ways to discuss it. So it, mm-hmm. it, it's just a part of the deal. But I, I, I mean, people know, or the teams know what they need to know about these guys. It, this nothing, nothing new is going to come out in the next few weeks that are going to make somebody drop.
0: Oh Lord, I just threw up my mouth a little bit. <laughs> uh, man, allergies, and am I getting sick? No, I hope not. Pray to God I'm not. But uh, uh, back to what we were discussing. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, and you know, there there are teams that you know aren't gonna be interested. You know, the playoff teams, they're gonna be well out of reach of came on to but i mean even the not even the players or even the teams in the teens or in picks 10 through or picks 11 through 20 they're not gonna be in the mix so but when it comes to attacking a a player's character that bothers me that bothers me a lot because you're you're like this guy's not a good person blah 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 I'm like, why why do we have to attack a player's character for no reason just to say oh he his draft stock's gonna fall because he's not he doesn't have good character, supposedly. Um and I don't believe there I I have struggled to see a lot of these top players in this draft class or hear about these dra- top top prospects like there are character concerns with a lot of these guys. I, I haven't heard that at all. Um and it's good to know that there are a lot of good clean players in this draft class that really haven't had any true off the field stuff to worry about. Um and any of the off off the field concerns that some people may have it's just players caring about what they what they're doing in the community. Um, what they're doing for charity and um, what they're thinking about in terms of business and um, stuff like that. Like that's the that's the kind of stuff I like to see from players. Like if you're that shows me you got good character and but also you're a great person and a very smart, um, intellectual person off the field. Like that. That's what I love about hearing some of these stories about and some of the, these things about these prospects and especially Kayvon Thibodeau, um, who I, I've gotten who I've come to really appreciate over this process because of some of the narratives that have been pushed out. But at the same time, um, like he hearing like some of the good stuff he does off the field like that, that's the type of stuff that will um, that one day could make him a watch Payton man of the year candidate or nominee. Like some of the stuff we hear is just utter BS. But at the end of the day, um, like you were saying, I it, and on my, my maturity too. Just, we shouldn't be worrying about this stuff consistently. Um, but at the same time it, it's bothersome to see um, some fans push out these narratives from what they read online. Um, and sometimes that we have to address this either what, it's with an article or with a tweet. Um, and we're not trying to bash people. We're trying to educate people. We, we want to educate people on some of the things we see, what we hear, um, in this process. So, and again, I get it. It's prospect, fat, um, fatigue, we go through it every draft process. We went through it last year. We dealt with it with like chase young and Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Like we, we dealt, we've dealt with this every process. So this is nothing new, but it's, at the same time, it, it can get annoying for me personally. Uh, but again, it's out of my control. Um, and or it's out of our control. There's nothing we can really do about it until we see what happens on draft day. Um, anything could happen between now and draft day. Something could pop up for a prospect and their draft stock could go down, or their draft stock could shoot up um shoot up the board. You know, so and I, I think Derek Stingley, like there was this narrative. He's only he's probably going to get picked in outside the 10 or outside the top 10. Now he has this great pro day and people are like, oh, he's a top 10 prospect. I'm like, he's been a top 10 prospect this entire time. What are we doing? Um, but, you know, and, and again, it's prospect fatigue. Uh, we're going to be dealing with this next draft cycle, probably with CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Anderson. Um, we're we're gonna be dealing with this next year. It's nothing new. We might as well just get used to it at this point and just be prepared for it. Um, and again, stick with your convictions. Um, that's what Tyler for- Forness has taught me or, or and has taught us. Just stick with your convictions. Um, so that's, that's the end of that discussion right there. Um, I think we've had enough with um, the prospect narratives there. Let's get into the quarterback discourse. And I think that we could do a whole episode on the uh, quarterback discourse, but I kind of want to talk about it a little bit um, because it was a discussion in the Blue Chip Scouting group chat earlier um, earlier today. Um, Mike brought it up. Forno um, brought it up. Um, i think tyler brought it up at one point um it was, it was from some sort of tweet that got that was sent into the group message um it just started this whole conversation um well let's talk about the quarterbacks and how either how bad this is this quarterback class is or just like trying to talk through it a little bit so the whole ordeal we're, we're trying to piece everything together um Group chat was arguing a little bit about Luke Willis, the fact that he's immensely talented, but he's also got a long ways to go. Um, our good friend Tyler Fornes uh, sort of compared in an article a couple months back that Willis is sort of compared him to Josh Allen in the sense that he could be developed in the same way. Um, both prospects um, both are, were raw prospects with incredible talent and Forno mentioned that, like, you know, the worst that Willis could be his for is probably Jalen Hurts, but with a better arm. And I'm like, Jalen Hurts with a better arm. I mean, that's that would kind of be good in some sense. Um, but it, but it also brings up the conversation like, this quarterback class is bad. It's bad, Devin. Like, in, there's so much discourse around this. Like, it's exhausting. Um, even our boss man, uh, Tyler Browning, he he tweeted out he's done with quarterback discourse. Like, and I get it. Like, there's no good player in this draft class unless you think Malik Willis is the second coming of Jesus. Um, and look, and for Panther fans, probably. Um, but, you know, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Malik Willis. Let's talk about Ritter. How strong pick it. Like, how do we view this draft class? How how do we dissect this draft class? Like a lot of these guys seem like project quarterbacks that may not start um, from the get go. Like there's no true top talent in this draft class, unless you, you look at trades and Malik Willis. is, easily the top dude at that um in, in this draft class And if you just look at traits specifically so devin i want to know your thoughts on the draft class kind of one of like your your initial thoughts because i'm sure we're going to have another episode down the road closer to the draft about this quarterback class so what do you think of this class overall at the moment
1: see I know a lot of people are, are, you know, going to say it's it's not a great quarterback class. It's it's not, you know, there's there's really no uh, blue chip guy. But I think when we think about this process, I feel like we put so much emphasis on there has to be a guy, you know, and I feel like that pressure alone puts our expectations way too high, if that makes sense. Because when you when you think about all these past quarterback classes that we've had, I mean, you know, one of the worst ones we had, I think it was 2013 or 2014. I think it was 2014, 13. maybe. Uh, you know, obviously Tay Bridgewater, I think that was his class. But I feel like we we get to we've gotten to a point where we've gotten spoiled that we expect at least one, at least two to three quarterbacks to be competing for the number one spot. And I feel like in this year, obviously, that's not the case. And the defensive side of the ball is much better than the offensive side of the ball, especially at the top of the draft. But for me, I think I've gone a, gotten away from this quarterback class is bad to where can they land to be successful? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I think that's the important conversation that should be had and not about I wouldn't spend a top three pick on this guy to me, you need a quarterback to win, you know, and I I think a lot of these teams see that a lot of these dudes are going to need good situations around them to win. You know, they're not, they're not transcendent guys. They there's maybe one or two guys that have transcended talent. There's a few guys that you can plug and play right away, assuming they have talent around them. So I think there are, there are categories and different, things that you have to keep in mind with, with this quarterback class. So for me, I think for me, I, I don't like saying that a quarterback class is bad because there's a good chance at least one or two of these guys turn to start multi-year stars, right? And whether or not they're high level stars, that remains to be seen, but certainly the talent of Malik Willis is, I mean, he has a talent to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL if he can put it together, I think that's Mm -hmm. undeniable. I think when you look at the next few guys, Desmond Ritter, I think he has some talent to be a above average starter. I don't think he's going to be ever a top five, top 10 quarterback, but I think he certainly has traits and size and and athleticism and some tools to work with where he can be a Ryan Tannehill esque type of quarterback where he can really – he can help you win, but he's not the reason you're winning, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can he pick it? I think he's one of those guys in that boat, too, that can be around average – be an average starting quarterback. You know, he has some ability to, to – he, he has accuracy. He can make some throws on the move. He can maneuver a pocket, you know, but he's not – he doesn't have high-level traits. And he's – those type of quarterbacks tend to be starters – like borderline stars, but they're not transcendent talents. So I think when you think about this quarterback class, it should be more about, okay, we've realized that none of these guys, I saw maybe one or two, can be take that next step to elite level, potentially, they have mm-hmm. elite level traits. I think now we have to get to a mindset. We understand it's, it's not it's not going to be last year. It's not even close to last year. You know, it's it's not going to be a couple years ago. It's not going to be the Josh Allen draft where they also had Lamar Jackson in there. So I think people need to get that mindset out. Like this is not going to be a, you know, a top heavy quarterback class. It's not going to be a a quarterback class where you throw a lot of these guys in right away into the fire because they're just not made like that. But for me, I think you just got to compartmentalize like you have to realize what their talent is. But you also have to understand Mm -hmm. if you throw them on a bad team, of course, bad results are going to happen. We've seen quarterbacks be thrown into bad situations and we saw it, it crash and burn. Like, for instance, like Johnny Menzel, he had some off field issues. He had some addiction issues. But on the field, he was thrown into a terrible Cleveland Browns organization at the time. So, yeah. of course, it didn't work out. You know, Jason Campbell, uh, not Jason Campbell, excuse me, um, and uh, the Notre Dame quarterback, uh, Deshaun Kaiser, he was also thrown yeah, into yeah. A bad situation. So, situation matters with a lot of these guys. I'm not expecting any of them to be year one starters. I'm not expecting any of them to be amazing right away because they just don't have the talent to do so. But I think it's also important to understand that they have paths to be good. Malik Willis has a path to be good. You know, he has to develop. He needs to learn how not to play hero ball. He needs to learn how to play within structure more consistently. And I, I think everything everything about these quarterbacks, I feel like there's there's a little bit of a tad overblown with them, right? Mm-hmm. You, you look at each quarterback, Malik Willis, I think his instructure inability is a little bit overblown because of his scheme, you know, if that makes sense. Desmond right. Ritter, I think a little bit of what people are saying about him, that he, you know, he just looks the part. I think it's a little bit overblown because there there are some accuracy issues, but it. I understand why people like him because he has footwork. You know, he, he just has that feel of being an NFL quarterback, leadership, all those things yeah. encompass, you know, it makes sense. Kenny Pickett, kind of same deal. You know, I think – his obviously his hand size has been over way overblown because it j- just doesn't really matter. Carson Strong, you know, him in the pocket, him moving outside the pocket. I don't think that's as overblown, but it's certainly the sticking point. Everyone's going to be he can maneuver the pocket, so it's not. It, it, it's not great still because he his mobility, his knee still is problematic, but. I do think it's a little bit overblown in the mm-hmm. fact that he can still maneuver the pocket, so he's not.
0: Completely- and, and there is also a path for Strong to be a good quarterback. And I, I was recently looking at your scouting report. You you did mention that there, there is some there is a pathway for him to be a starter. Like he has the traits, um, not of like today's true modern quarterback, but he has the traits. He has the arm talent, the size. Um, the iq to be a successful quarterback
1: yeah so i I think when when you that's the important thing for me in this quarterback class is not that you just say they're bad let's think about 2023 some of these teams can't really afford to you know Mm -hmm. because they need to find an answer now or they need to have an a plan for an answer sometime in the future And quarterback's the most premium position. You know, it can be easily replaced in four or five years when you draft a quarterback because their contract runs out. You don't renew it. But if they show levels of of high-level play, that's when it gets complicated. And you got to remember, there's only 32 spots. And every year, you can't be replacing quarterback. So I think people need to understand, like, this quarterback class in particular, on paper, it's not going to match up to some of the last few ones we have. It's just not. You know, but you also got to think like, just like every other position has to develop, edge rushers have to develop, tackles, interior offensive linemen, defensive tackles, DBs, everyone has to develop. And you can't always get instant results. So I think that's the most important thing for me in this quarterback class is that you understand these results are not going to be immediate. A lot Mm -hmm. for for hardly any of these guys. You got to play the long game with this. You got to think okay, where does he fit in this situation? And if we put the pieces around him, what can he be? And I think NFL teams are going through that process right now.
0: Um, I want to mention the three Ps that Jordan Reed of ESPN, who has been on our show, um, um want to mention the three Ps that he brings up. Playmakers, protection, play callers. You if you have those three for a young rookie quarterback, um, especially like down the road, your your quarterbacks in a great spot to succeed. It, we kind of saw that with Patrick Mahomes. You know, I I, I or, or I don't think anyone in this draft class is gonna be Patrick Mahomes 2.0. No way. Um but when you consider like where he was as a prospect, he was still a raw prospect. He had the traits. He was pretty raw coming out. Kansas City had the coaching staff, or they had the play caller. They had the protection, and they had the playmakers. They had, they had what was necessary for a quarterback to succeed in that offense. Then in 2018, after he sat out a year, came in, won MVP in second in his first year starting second year in the league one mvp now i i get it that's a huge that's huge expectations and that's sort of the expectation that fans and um other people have for quarterbacks nowadays they especially like raw prospects they think they can come in sit for a year or not start out early on in their rookie season and then they can end up like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes starting year two or by year three, they're developed into this superstar quarterback that that that's because Josh Allen was put in a great place or on a team that was continuing to get better as each year went on. And then by year three, they were able they had all the pieces to be a very good football team. And that's why they're, now you're seeing Josh Allen being considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And that's why you're also seeing Patrick Holmes being considered the best quarterback in the league because he was put in a great situation. The situation matters for Malik Willis, for Desmond Ritter, for Sam Howell, for Kenny Pickett, for Carson Strong. Um, There is a path to success for them. There is. Um but when people say this quarterback class is bad, like I, I, I have said, it, it's not necessarily that it's bad, but it's the worst it's been probably since either twenty fourteen or twenty thirteen. Um, twenty fourteen, you had Blake Bortles, you had Johnny Menzel. you had Teddy Bridgewater. Um, probably forgetting another name. Um, but those were those are the names off the top of my head. Um, Derek Carr was in that draft class. That's right, Derek Carr was in that draft class. Um. Like you hit that quarterback class is definitely better than what it was than what this well, year's is. Yeah, I, you
1: also you also think about where they were picked. Bridgewater was late in the first round, and right. then Carr was second round. So this kind of Matt I don't want to say it matches this quarterback class, but I think it
0: matches that it, it's similar. There's there's yeah. similarities. There's yeah. definitely similarities. Um we could definitely see if there's a quarterback that a team in the second round. Um, if they see a quarterback that they think they, they can draft, develop, and start down the road, they they would probably trade up with Detroit or Cincinnati um, or Tampa Bay. They could probably trade up with them and lock up their quarterback of the future. Um, I, I think Tampa Bay would be a perfect place to develop a quarterback. You have Tom freaking Brady. Um, being your mentor you have playmakers like mike evans and chris godwin you have a great play caller and brian Leftwich. like that it that to me screams perfect situation for a young rookie quarterback um it could be any of the, like we don't know where these guys are going to get drafted we could see them getting drafted we could We may not see the first quarterback get taken off the board until the mid teens. That that's that is a true possibility. We but we may also see Malik Willis go second overall. Um, but the situation matters for these guys. Um, if Desmond Ritter can land at a good place, could he be a good starting quarterback down the road? Sure. Like, but the coaching matters, the situation matters protection and the play callers all that matters and these guys have to be coachable um and that's also a big thing they have to be coachable if they're coachable and they can adapt and improve like we've seen other quarterbacks in the past they have a better chance at succeeding but what they go into a bad situation let's say they go to carolina i know i I'm sorry, Tyler. I mentioned in Carolina. I'm sorry. Um, he said he wasn't listening to the podcast, so it's fine. Um it, it, let's say they take Malik Willis. Do they have to play caller? Eh. Do they have the protection? It's gotten better. Do they have to play makers? Absolutely. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, Terrace Marshall, if he can have a good year too. Um like they got they have the playmakers questionable with the coaching um and the play caller. Um, and better protection. It could be better. We'll we'll just have to wait and see. Because Carolina's not going to tip their hand until draft day, I don't believe. Um, but that situation for Malik Willis, and he's gonna be sitting behind either Sam Darnold or a veteran quarterback, a veteran free agent bridge quarterback. That could be anyone. That could be Cam Cam Newton could come back again next year. There's always that possibility. Would Malik Willis be set up for success in Carolina? I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, Like, there's too many question marks. And look... Like, if you're, if you're looking for a perfect situation, that situation will probably be in the 20s where you have the playoff teams, but some of them have veteran quarterbacks that are on the back burner of their career. So, like, that's probably where you could see, like, Sam Howell or Carson Strong go. Um, absolutely see Desmond Ritter going in the top ten. Um, seen some people mock them to the Falcons and the Seahawks. Um their situations aren't as great. Um, so I'm a little hesitant, but you know, there there are definitely some situations where a quarterback can succeed, a rookie quarterback can't succeed. Um if this class hits, if this class if if like two or three quarterbacks hit in this draft class. That's a, that's a success. That's a great success. Um, if not, it's 2013. 2013 draft class. Ej Manuel, Geno Smith, those guys. No, 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 no. No way. If you if you have that type of draft class, you have done something really, really wrong. Um, but I should GMs. Bank their first rounder on a quarterback this year. It's a tough question. I think if you're and we're we're, keep going back to the late the late twenties the playoff teams um, that may need a quarterback. If those GMs feel like they have the roster, they have the play caller, they have the protection, they have the playmakers, they feel like they have all that, and they can draft a rookie quarterback. if there is one available, you go for it. Tampa Bay should absolutely be in the mix for a quarterback this year. Absolutely. If, like, Sam Howell, he's my QB1. If he were to go to Tampa Bay, I'm like, he is set up for success in such a great way. He'd fit Brian Leftwich offense offense so, so well because he's a deep ball thrower um and also he has the ability to work short and intermediate like he, he he has shown that at North Carolina maybe not as much as we think he or as we as we had hoped but he has the ability to show that so you this quarterback class is going to be interesting to look at a few years down the road um Mike's so convinced you know well. I he's not someone he Malik Willis is someone he would not draft, he wouldn't draft anyone in this draft class. He'd rather just wait until next year. And I totally get that. Um, you got Bryce Young and CJ Stroud next year. Who wouldn't want to wait for Bryce Young and CJ Stroud? <laughs> but at the same time, how desperate are you? How how much do you really need a quarterback this year? Carolina definitely needs a quarterback. They have made that a horribly kept secret that they need a quarterback. Will Willis and Kenny Pickett are sure to be um, on at the top of their boards, along with Evan Neal, Akeem Iguanu, other offensive tackles, some of the pass rushers in this draft class, Camon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, Drayvon Walker, Jermaine Johnson. Those guys are going to be high on their board. Um. But when it comes to fit, it's going to be very interesting to see wh- what happens with this draft class. Um, and I'm very curious with these landing spots. Um, props to the quarterbacks as they end up hitting. If any one of these five guys end up doing really well in the league throughout their career or over the next few years, they start at one point, They have a re- they look to have a really good career, We'll, we'll take back everything we've said about this draft class. If not, we'll just – we'll keep pushing. You know, yep. this is probably the worst quarterback cl- class since 2013. But like you were saying, it's similar to 2014. And it I think it'll end up being similar to 2014. I, I, I'm going to put my foot on that and it, it – I think it could be very similar to 2014. But, again, it's going to come down to three Ps, playmakers, protection, play caller, and also situation. So, Devin, do you have any final thoughts you want to give about this quarterback class? Um, anything you want to kind of get off your chest at the moment?
1: No, I, I, I just think I, – I just hope for these quarterbacks, at least, that they, they get put in a situation where they can, they can win – and and then not be all on their shoulders I think they've shown that none of these guys are, are like that or they they're not going to be effective if if you do that but I think there also needs to be some patience uh and and I think you know you you can't expect a uh, any of these quarterbacks to be day one stars you can't expect them to be amazing right away it, it may not always be pretty but there's a reason these teams are taking the chance or will take a chance on these quarterbacks because they, they see something in them that can be developed and uh, there's no greater feeling for an organization is to, to develop a homegrown quarterback talent. I mean, you, you see how much the, the, bills love Josh Allen, the chiefs love Patrick Mahomes, the Ravens love Lamar Jackson, <laughs> um, you know, and, and all these other quarterbacks that have been homegrown and developed and, and not been traded or, or, but the horde not moved on from their guy. <clears throat> now the Giants, on the other hand, they probably need to go ahead and make that move, but it's a different discussion for another day. But, right. <laughs> um, you know, the, the loyalty and in, in the patience, it, it can pay off. You know, and, and with the, these quarterbacks in this year, you're going to have to have a lot of patience. These are not going to be guys that are complete prospects or far from complete prospects at all. But you put them in a good situation, you put talent around them, and and you you put them in situations that they're comfortable with, especially early on, and and not throw the house at them. I think, I think more than more than one of them will be fine in, in three or four years
0: time. I'll give some final thoughts um, here before we go. Um, I, I, I won't repeat earlier what I said. We need temp expectations, com- incredibly. Tempt them like cap them big time because a lot of fans, a lot of people are hoping, you know, these quarterbacks could be the next great thing. You know, you need guys that can do everything right now. You gotta you gotta go out and compete right now. You know, tempt the expectations. There's I don't see a quarterback in this draft class that will start year one. Maybe Kenny Pickett. Maybe Carson Strong if he lands in the right situation. Um, but for the most part, I see a lot of these guys as developmental quarterbacks sitting year one, most of year one, and then starting at the on the back burner of year one or not starting until year two. These guys are going to take time to develop. We if we don't see them on the field next year, let's not start calling them a bust. Because we have yet to see him on the field. And we want to, and in year two, the situation could be better. So keep that in mind when it comes to this quarterback class. And um cap those expectations, please. For the sake of it. It's getting exhausting as a Panthers fan just to tell fans Malik Willis is not a day one starter. So keep that in mind. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back again on th- Friday with some more draft talk, more draft prospects. Um, we-, we got plenty to talk about the next talk about over the next few weeks. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.